Man, good morning. Wasn't expecting quite that introduction, but thank you. <laughs> um, as he said, you know, Pastor Lynn's not here. He's in Colorado, and if you uh, keep up with his Facebook at all, you'll know he's having a good time with the snow. I'm not a particular fan of snow unless I'm snowboarding, but, uh, man, he's out there every day. But I can also say that we've been in a text group, and he misses you guys. So just know that. Uh, he wishes he could be here with you. He loves you guys. And uh, with that being said, I kind of want to give honor where honor is due and just say that we have a great pastor here. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a privilege to, to work under somebody like Pastor Lynn and just be able to come in here every week. You know, I have a, a church ministries degree, and, uh, you know, I've been preaching for a while, but I still learn stuff, you know, sitting up under him. And so that's, that's a privilege to be able to learn and also for him to be able to speak to, uh, to new Christians. And so that's just something you don't always see. So we're privileged here. And, man, we have great deacons and board and Sunday school teachers and people to just make everything happen here. And this congregation, this congregation is such a just fruits of the faithfulness of him and those who have come before him. So we're just uh, so excited and um, privileged to be here at uh, Tuscaloosa First Assembly. And uh, I also want to take just a second, being a youth pastor, i got to brag on our youth just a little bit, okay? Uh, we have the most incredible group of teenagers in the world, okay? We do. And these, this group of teenagers is passionate for God. They're, not, they're the real deal. And um, it, it warms my heart, for instance, on Wednesday nights when we end service, you know, try to end on time. I'm sorry, parents, if we get late. But, um, but you know, some of them will come up to me or they'll give me that look like, why are we ending? <laughs> why can't we keep going and worship? And, you know, you just see the heart for God. You see the heart to want to reach this city. And so we're just incredibly blessed for them. So I want to say thank you for spending time. Thank you for putting your hand on their life. Thank you for every word of encouragement that, that you've given to them because it shows. And every uh, financial blessing that you've given to them, helping them go to camp or convention or just something silly like the beach, thank you. It's making an impact in their life, and they are truly making an impact in their schools and where they're at. So... Um, God willing, we'll get through this message if uh, Graceland doesn't come in the next hour. She's due tomorrow, if you didn't know, so anytime. Um, but uh, I also want to say hello to Mr. Sidney Allen, Brother Sidney. He's my cousin, and most of you may know him, but if you don't know him, get to know that man. He's a good man, so amen. Carmen, where's, I didn't see her this morning. Where's she at? Oh, Miss Carmen and Brother Lawson are here. Y'all give a hand to these two, all right? They've been through a lot, but God is faithful, amen? Well, I want to get into the Word uh, this morning. Uh, for some of you, this will be part two, because, uh, you know, I attended um, the Aldridge's Sunday school class, and, um, you know, just heard a little bit of, of uh, this message here. You can turn with me to Second uh, Kings chapter 5, if you have your Word. If not, it'll be on the screen. But uh, when Pastor Lynn asked me to speak a few weeks back, I immediately, you know, felt like God was leading me in this direction to talk about the story of Naaman. And so that's the story we're going to talk about this morning. And uh, I pray that you will search your own heart. By the way, I'm not used to a lapel mic. So I may be up here and I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, you know, I'm used to one, I always have something in my hands. So we'll be on this journey together. Um, but uh, the title of the message this morning is entitled, Humility Can Heal Your Hurt. 
Humility can heal your hurt. Second Kings chapter 5, we'll be here pretty much the whole time, and I'll go sections at a time, and I may summarize a part of it. But let's start with verse 1. Also, last thing, we're going to get into this. Uh, I'll be reading out the English Standard Version, uh, which if you don't know what it is, it's, it's, close, it's a very close word-to-word. It's kind of like the King James. It's kind of like the uh, American Standard Version. Um, it's just the particular Bible I have. And so, but it'll be on the screen, or you can read your own version. I'm sure there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, so here we go. Verse 1. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man. A great man with his master and in high favor. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Let's pray over the word this morning. Lord, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to come to your house to worship you. Lord, to give you praise, to give you honor, to give you glory. Lord, I'm also thankful for your word. Your word is truth. Let it speak to our hearts. Lord, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It it can divide uh, joint and marrow, soul and spirit. It can divide even the uh, intentions of our heart. So, Lord, speak to us this morning. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll go further in the story in just a little bit, but let me give you a little bit of background about Naaman first. As you can see from this scripture, Naaman was the commander of the Syrian army. He had authority. So if he said go, the people went. If he said stop, the people stopped. If he said jump, they said how high, you know? He had that kind of authority. He was outwardly honored and respected. And uh, in Syria, you know, as I, as I mentioned earlier, he had conquered uh, Israel. He was a, a military commander, so he had earned respect. And, and more so back then, but even so today, respect had to be earned. You couldn't just get respect because you wanted it really bad. He earned the honor and respect of the people because of who he was and what he'd done. But there was one problem. See, Naaman was a leper. He had a secret problem undetected by the masses. This morning, you may have come to church dressed to impress. You may have uh, your hair slicked back trying to impress that guy or that girl. You know, like, hey, look at me as I worship or, uh, or whatever. But um, you may have sprayed on, you know, perfume or cologne to smell good and put on your best. But I, I want us all to reflect on ourselves this morning. This is going to be my first point. It's going to be a question. Number one. What are you hiding under all that armor? Today, we don't need a God that can help us coordinate our clothes or do our hair just right so we can look good outwardly. Today, we need a God who can deal with the toxic places on the inside of us, beneath our armor. See, most people don't have any idea what you in particular may be dealing with in your family, the type of problems you have. They may not know what you have to deal with at work or the type of stresses that finances can put on you. And so we have things in our lives that are toxic to us. Maybe the armor, you know, an armor is shielding. Naaman was the commander. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was also a leper. He had power over armies, but he had no power over his sickness. Things were going so well for Naaman, yet they were so catastrophic. All at the same time. How could it be that Naaman 
could fight armies and change the destiny of his nation, but he could not fix himself. What is leprosy, by the way? In case you don't know, I got a few things up here, that, that, um, some, some details as to what leprosy is. Uh, much like what AIDS would be or cancer, in the sense, it was one of the most feared diseases at the time. Why? Well, for many reasons. Some forms were very highly contagious and incurable. Leprosy was a slow-developing, progressive disease that damaged the skin and nervous system. It developed over a time period of six months to 40 years. The results of leprosy uh, were skin lesions, deformities. People usually had like scabs and crusts. They had white shining spots deeper, uh, deeper than what the skin showed. And lastly, why people feared it the most is because leprosy often resulted in death. So if it wasn't enough for Naaman, the commander of these armies, to have leprosy, imagine the stress of trying to hide it. The fact that his skin was literally rotting from the inside, trying to hide and mask the sights of it, the smells of it, as he was the commander. What would happen, you think, if... um, People, the masses found out that Naaman had leprosy. Well, I can tell you. First, he would be excommunicated from the army as well as society. He'd be forced to live in a colony with other sick and diseased people. He would lose his status. He would lose his power. And he would lose his adoration. Let's continue with the story. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 2 and 3 says this. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. And she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria? He would cure him of his leprosy. What a message of hope. You see, I want to point out here that the only people that would have seen Naaman, the leprosy from Naaman, would be his wife and this little Israelite maid. Why this maid? Well, Naaman didn't care about this little girl, for, you know, seeing him. After all, she was a nobody in society. She had no power. She had no recognition. She had no money. She was an immigrant. She was a slave, and she was a woman. Why do I say that? Because women and men were not on the same uh, uh, level back then, especially. She could not have been any lower in the eyes of society. So he didn't care. And this Israelite, this little, the Bible specifically says little girl, this little Israelite girl had every right to be bitter. Wouldn't you, if you were taken away from your family, taken away from your nation, taken away from the, the very life, the only life that you knew about, if you were snatched out of that and forced to be a slave, she had every right to be bitter. But she didn't. Who would have thought the commander of Syria, his life would be in the hands of a little immigrant girl? My second point this morning is your problem serves a purpose. Your problem serves a purpose. Now, I'm not one to think that all problems come from the devil and not all trials come from God. Let me give you an example. I was about 15 years old and... uh, 
I grew up in Jackson, Alabama, and we had this place called the Cyber Station. Now, this was like the coolest place. I was kind of a geek. I was a nerd. I played Pokemon cards and Yu-Gi-Oh, and I went to tournaments and all that stuff. And so I loved video games and card games, and I was all into it. Well, me and my friends, this, this place, it was new. It was called the Cyber Station, and basically it had a bunch of computers and a bunch of game systems that you could come, and you could wear the headsets, and you could be there with your friends, and you had really fast internet, and you just paid per hour to be there, and you could fight people from all across the, you know, the world, basically. So it was a cool thing. Well, me and my friends had just got done playing, and of course I couldn't drive myself, so I asked my, my brother to come and pick me up. And when he got there, I was kind of, you know, I guess I'd had a good day, and also I like to make my brother mad, because that's what siblings do. And um, so I was like, man, I'm just going to jump off his bumper, the bumper of his car. I'm just going to kick off of it and keep going. You know, just, I don't know. It was just a reckless decision. And so I got to jump on his car, and uh, I jumped a little too high, and uh, I landed on the hood. <laughs> and uh, he gets out of his car and looks, and sure enough, there's a dent about that big right in the hood. Well, needless to say, $300 later, took me a while, but $300 later, we got his car fixed, popped out repainted, everything was good. But you know what? The devil didn't make me do that. <laughs> God, I don't believe, was testing me in that. That was just a poor decision. You, you young people, I've seen teenagers and 20 years old, there's a challenge out there called the Tide Pod Challenge. Please don't do that. Okay, if you don't know what that is, it's the, the little Tide Pods, they're colorful and they're liquidy and they're detergent, they're toxic. And people, the challenge is to eat these things. And it's making people like, vomit and go to the hospital and even pass out because they're so toxic to you. But for some reason, it's a challenge. If you eat a Tide Pod, please don't blame it on the devil, okay? <laughs> you know, we try to blame the devil for everything, but that, that is not the devil. <laughs> That's a dumb decision. But there's also times in Scripture where the enemy may be attacking us. We look at the story of Job. Job lost everything, besides his nagging wife. He lost everything. <laughs> but then, because of his faithfulness, God restored everything, and he restored it double. We look at somebody like Saul, on the other hand, who eventually would become Paul, when he was still blind, and, and God had told Ananias to come and heal him. He said, he said these words, God said, you know, Saul, who would be Paul, is my chosen instrument. And I'm going to show you how much he has to suffer for my name, for my name's sake. So sometimes we have trials from God. Sometimes we have attacks from the enemy. But what I want to point out from this story is that a problem served a purpose. This little girl was captured, and that was a problem for her, but it was with a divine appointment. This maid could have held back information from Naaman. She could have let Naaman rot in his leprosy. But she chose to speak up. You know, some of our biggest tests in life are how we handle the people we hate. And for this little girl, she decided to speak up. So Naaman was instructed to go to the nation of the people he had been killing. These two nations, Israel and Syria, had been at war, but now they were at a fragile state of peace. And so if you look in your word uh, again in 2 Kings chapter 5, I'm going to summarize verses 4 through 8 there. Basically, the king of Syria writes a letter to the king of Israel instructing the Israeli king to heal Naaman. 
the Israeli king kind of takes it as an insult because he's like, who am I? Am I God that I can heal Naaman of leprosy? That's unheard of. Who's ever heard of a leper being healed? It was an incurable thing. It just didn't happen. And so in a sense, I believe the king thought that they were trying to pick a fight, start a war. Well, there was some good come out of that because the prophet Elisha heard about Naaman's visit. And he actually summoned for Naaman to come here. There's a constant message, and you may not realize it yet, but I hope you will. This throughout this whole story. And we're going to get to it in our last point this morning, point three. Your healing is in your humility. Your healing is in your humility. You see, God said to Naaman, I'll heal you if you humble yourself. He said, I'll heal you if you take the advice of a little immigrant girl. I'll heal you if you visit a country that's beneath you. And it doesn't stop there, but we'll get into that in a little bit. What is humility? The Greek word translated into humility, found in Colossians 3.12 and and in a lot of other places, literally means lowliness of mind. So we see that humility is a heart attitude, not merely just an outward demeanor. So you can put on an outward show of humility, but still have a heart full of pride. And as we mentioned in Sunday school, which by the way, if you're not in Sunday school, please join a Sunday school. There's some great teachings in there and all the classes that we have. And so please be a part of that. But we learned that, uh, as C.S. Lewis says, he said that humility is not thinking of yourself less. Well, thinking less of yourself is thinking of yourself less. Okay? It's more about thinking of others. It's more about not being worried about the things that the world says are beneath you. You see, because if it were up to Naaman and and pride, he would have never went to the country of Israel. He would have never listened to an immigrant girl. And he would have never done the things that we're going to find out later in the story. So can I preach to myself this morning? I tend to be a person of pride. My wife is kind of looking at me like, I think she would say amen. You know? I carry a lot of pride in my life. I don't like to be wrong. I don't like to lose arguments. And uh, for instance... Uh, this is a little something that happened this week. We were in the car. We were at a stoplight. And I was trying to find um, a car wash, like a specific car wash. And um, I couldn't remember where it was. And I was looking on my phone. And uh, she said, hey, let me see it. I, I, I know how to find it. And I'm like, no, I got it. Like, she's like, no, I know a faster way to do it. And I'm like, no, I got it. And I couldn't find it. But you know, I didn't want to let her know that. And so she said, well, I'll just look it up on my phone. Sure enough, like three seconds later, she's like, boom. I was like... She said, I was right, wasn't I? I was like, I didn't want to say anything, but I was just kind of like, you know what I'm saying? I was like, well, my phone was messed up. Or, you know, I was, distra- I was, I was trying to pay attention to the road, you know, because I'm driving. I don't, I don't get on my phone when I drive, but I will at a stoplight. But have you ever argued with somebody that's never wrong? Don't look at your neighbor. That's them, right? Don't even argue with Google, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying Google can't be wrong, but you look up like a stat. I, I, these guys, all the time, I'll be saying, like, stat, they'll be telling me stats. I'm like, you're wrong. And I'll look it up, and they'll be like, no, nah, that's not right. I'm like, check it out, you know what I'm saying? See, I'm always right with you guys, right? All right, I'm wrong sometimes. Okay, I'll admit that. But people who lack humility have certain qualities. I'll just name a few. This isn't all of them. This is a few. People who lack humility... I always think they're right. You know anybody like that? Can't be wrong. They can't submit to authority. 
Teenagers who argue with their parents because they always think they're right. Teenagers are always right, right? You're right. Your, your parents aren't, aren't right most of the time. You, you guys are right. Can I get an amen from the parents? <laughs> you know, a lack of humility is somebody who won't serve or get offended when they're asked to do something that gets no recognition and no credit, that doesn't get on the stage. And so they get a bad attitude about it or they just won't do it in general because there's no thankfulness there. You see, the problem, the leprosy of Naaman served a purpose because it was through leprosy that he would find the glory of what God wanted to do through him. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses, let's pick up in verse 9 and 10. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elijah's house. And Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought that surely you would come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord, the Lord your God and wave your hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, I hope I'm saying that right, the rivers of Damascus better than these waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away in a rage. See, not only did he have to listen to a little servant girl from Israel, he had to go to Israel itself and talk to the king. And not only did he have to go and talk to the king, which he really didn't want to do, he had to go and talk to the prophet. And you see, he makes it to the prophet's house, and the prophet won't even answer the door. He sends a servant to go talk to the commander of the armies of Syria. And not only that, you see, he finally made it there. He did all these things. He he let his pride fall. And he's like, surely this prophet will just wave his hand. This is what I'm expecting God to do, is just wave his hand over my life and let me be clean. But now you're instructing me to go into these dirty waters, the Jordan River? I've been to the Jordan River. And if it's anything today like it was back then, it is dirty. <laughs> you can't, I mean, it's not like the clear waters of, you know, uh, I wouldn't say Gulf Shores, but some of the beaches in uh, Florida where it's just clear crystal water. Man, these are dirty waters. And you're asking me to do what? The Bible says that Naaman went off in a rage. I mean, have you ever been to that point before where you, you feel like you're, you're doing everything God's telling you to do? And, 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 and it's like you have to keep going lower and lower and lower. Naaman almost missed a miracle because of his pride. But you know what? If you're willing to go down low enough, God will heal you of what's eating you on the inside. 2 Kings 5, 13 through 14. But his servant, thank God for his servant, right? Came near to him and said, My father, it is a great word from the prophet that he has spoken to you. Will you not do it? You're at the very end. You're at the last step. Won't you do it? He's actually said to you, wash and be clean. So he went down, Naaman did, and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And the Bible says his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Naaman's leprosy on the outside was a reflection of what was eating him on the inside. And that was his pridefulness. 
Proverbs 16, 18 says this, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit or an arrogant spirit before a fall. Luke 14, 11 says this, For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I can imagine Naaman in these dirty waters of the Jordan. Man, he somehow was convinced to make it there. And he has, remember it said that he had brought his horses and chariots and and servants. So he had army with him. He had servants with him. And they're watching Naaman. He hadn't been healed yet. He's done all, he had to do all these embarrassing things, things that were beneath him. And he's having to dip. Can you imagine the humility that he probably had? Or just like, what if this doesn't work? What if this doesn't happen? But here he is. Not one time did nothing happen. Not three times, not five times, not six times, but on the seventh time, it says his flesh was restored. How many of us have dipped in the water before and not seen anything happen? Now, maybe God's asking you to be obedient. Maybe God's asking you to drop your pride, to be humble. And so you, you've come down to an altar You've asked for prayer. You sought the face of God, but you haven't seen a result yet. Let me tell you this morning, I wonder if you're on your fourth, fifth, or even sixth dip before God is trying to restore you. You see, God wanted to break the pride off of Naaman. The funny thing about pride is, if, if I have a problem with, let's just say, lying, well, let's not say lying. <laughs> let's say uh, if I have a drinking problem, let's just say. Most people may not admit it, but if, you, if you're a serious drinker, you'll know that you have a problem. You may not know how to fix it, but you're not a, you, you know you have it. The problem with pride is we're too prideful to admit that we have pride. And so it goes unchecked in our life. And, and we can't allow ourselves to be humble before God and allow Him to cleanse us. You see, maybe, just maybe... God used this problem for a purpose, to humble Naaman into submission to God. We're like Naaman in several ways. We tend to look good on the outside, especially when we have things all together, when we have success, when our job's going right, when our kids are being obedient. That may not happen, but, you know, when our kids are doing right, or, you know, we may look a certain way, but the problem is we all have something eating us alive from the inside, and that problem is sin. You see, and it's sin that God wants to cleanse in our lives. And we must be cleansed of our sin. But guess what? We can't do it. We in ourselves can't cleanse ourselves. It doesn't matter how much power you have. It doesn't matter how much status you have. It doesn't matter how much money you have. What matters is being humble before God. Being humble at the feet of Jesus and allowing him to cleanse you. You know what the Bible says? If you confess your sins to him, he is faithful and he is just to uh, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. It is not ourselves. It is not a a work that we can do. It is him. And that is the good news of the gospel. I can think of a pretty good example of humility, a person in the Bible by the name of Jesus. Uh, We see in Philippians 2, 7 and 8 that Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, 
even death on a cross. You see, it wasn't that he uh, thought less of himself. He knew that he was the son of God. It was that he thought of himself less. He was more about others and loving others and reaching others. It was more about being a servant than being a king when he came to earth. Now he is the king of kings. Now he is the Lord of lords. Now he is our savior. But he came as a servant in humility. Every head bowed and every eye closed tonight as I come to a close. I want to ask you this question. Maybe you came in this service this morning and you don't have a relationship with God. You know, we all have sinned, the Bible says, and we're in need of a Savior. That's the good news of the gospel. He paid the price for us. We can't do it on our own. There's nothing that you can do to rid yourself of sin besides be humble, come before God, and allow Him to take it all. You can start this morning with a clean slate. You can make the very best decision you've ever made in your life. And so if you're here, and the worship team can join me, if you're hearing the sound of my voice and you say, Pastor Brad, that's me. I would love to start a relationship with God this morning. Can I see your hand in this room, if that's anybody here? Amen. Everybody can look up at me. The second thing I want to ask then is, maybe there's something, a pride in your life. Maybe you didn't even realize it. Sometimes it's the easiest, it's, it's, it's hard to realize that we try to do things on our own. We try to handle problems, especially when we don't see results. If we prayed about something and, and we don't see results, all of a sudden we try to take it on ourselves. God is asking you this morning to lay it at his feet. To, to, to lay the judgment aside, to not worry about what other people think. If Naaman had worried about what other people think, he would have had leprosy and he would have died from it. But to humble yourself, to be obedient to the call of God. And I don't know how many times you've come down. I don't know how many times you've asked God. But this morning, I'm asking you to one more time, two more times, four more times. Just maybe. Today is your day. So would everybody stand with me as we, uh, we're going to close this service in worship. We're also um, going to close in prayer. We have a prayer team. We have a wonderful prayer team that would love to pray for you. But if you're here this morning and you know that there's something that you need to lay at the feet of Jesus, there's something in your life that you've been trying to deal with on your own, this morning, would you be willing to come? Would you be willing to get out of your seat, lay your pride aside, and join me at this altar. Amen. If you would like to come, you can come now. We'll pray for you. We got people ready to pray. Amen. And we need it. I know here at Tuscaloosa First, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe God hears our prayers. We believe that God has moved through prayer. And we've been praying for you. So would you come? Amen.